You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Take your Bible, turn with me, please. Take your Bible, turn with me, please. John chapter 21. We were there last night, be there again this morning. John chapter 21, and it's been good to be here these, this day and this half a day already. And I appreciate how God has worked and how God has met with us. And uh, I'm praying God will do some great and mighty things. And here's the good news. God wants to, and God is able to. And God will if we'll just get out of His way and let Him have His way with us. And uh, I'm praying God will call some young men to preach and some young people to the mission field. And I'm praying most of all that you'll just get a taste and be able to see that the Lord is good. I'm glad God is not a fairy tale. I'm glad He's not some figment of our imagination. It's not something we fabricated or made up. But I'm glad God is real. And I'm glad there's a place called heaven that is real with real streets of gold and gates of pearl. And if you're saved, one of these days you're going to live there forever. And I'm glad our name is in a real book of life today. And it is worth it to serve God. God has been so good to us. You know the hour that we live in and the darkness of the day and how important it is and how dire the need is for not just our generation, but for your generation to take responsibility. And if you're a Christian, you're just as much a Christian as I am. And if you're a young man and you've been called to preach, you're just as much of a preacher as I am. And the burden is just as heavy and the need is just as great. And I'm praying God will give us a vision for our generation. I still believe we can see revival. And I still believe God could uh, use us to build churches. I still believe souls can be saved. And if He's going to see, if we're going to see that happen, God's going to use people like you and people like me to do it. I want to speak to your heart today, John chapter 21, about something God spoke to my heart about. And I was driving home on Saturday from Sacramento area and was praying and thinking about this day and this meeting and what God would have me to preach. And God laid this text on my heart. And last night, Brother Johnson preached from this same passage. And I kind of battled with it a little bit, thought, well, maybe I'll go somewhere else. Um, but then I thought, well, maybe God just wants us to hear it. Maybe God's trying to speak to us about this thought. So I want to show you today here in John 21, verse number 15. Look what the Bible said. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. Now it's interesting if you look it up, that Jesus says, Simon, do you love me? And he uses a very intense term for that love, a term of devotion, agape love. And Peter responds and says, yeah, I like you. Sort of what he says. I phileo you. He's talking about an emotional love. There needs to be a point in my life and in yours where we transition our Christian life from just emotion love to devotion love. More than just I'm thrilled about the excitement of youth conference and I enjoy the fervency of the preaching, and I like going out on the soul winning. More than that, in a deep-rooted devotional love, not for the works that we do, but for the one that we work for. And so Jesus is driving this point home to his disciple. And Peter responds, he says, I, I like you, I, I love you. And he said, well, then feed my lambs. Verse 16, he said to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? 
And Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. What makes this passage so convicting is when you consider the one that the question is addressed to. He's not talking to some fly-by-night, kind of dabbling on the peripheral, not all the way in Christian. He's talking to Peter. He's talking to his disciple that had been a leader of other disciples. He's talking to a man that had given up his livelihood, had given up his life from before he met Christ and followed him before he ever even saw Christ do a miracle. He gave it all and followed him. And then he looks across that fire on the side of the seashore and he said, I want to ask you if you love me. I found myself lately preaching in these youth meetings and not able to be funny. I like that. And sometimes God will let me be that even on accident. But there's such a pressing need in our day. It's so important. And so Jesus is coming soon. We know that. But if he doesn't come today or tomorrow, then you're going to have to stand against some things and for some things. And it's going to take more than just saying, well, bless God, I love this, that, or the other. We're going to have to love him, Amen. love the Lord. For a little while this morning, I want to preach on this thought, disciple, do you love me? Disciple, do you love me? God, I pray that you'd help me preach, please. I pray that you would take this thought and weave it together and speak to the hearts of these young men and young ladies. Most of all, I pray for liberty to preach. I pray that you clothe me in my calling, fill me with the Holy Spirit, and hide me behind the cross. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And Christianity is not about a number of things. Christianity is about the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes I think we try to attack the problem and try to get you to a solution without starting at the right starting point. And we say, I wish you'd be obedient, and I wish that you would serve, and I wish that you'd surrender. And we present you with a lot of things that are good, but they are not the primary starting point. Really, it all begins and it all ends with the Alpha and the Omega. It all centers upon the Lord Jesus Christ. My Christianity needs to evolve from doctrine and dogma to devotion for the one that died for me on the cross. I cannot just live by the letter. I must have love for Christ rooted deep down within my soul or else I will fall by the wayside eventually. Now, I don't want you to get me wrong. I love a lot of things about Christianity, but I hope I don't love all the things about Christianity. Then I love the one that Christianity is about. This morning, I love preaching. I like loud preaching and soft preaching, long preaching and short preaching. But my question is not, do you or I love preaching? My question is, do you love the Lord Jesus Christ? I love singing. I like singing the hymns. I like singing the songs we sing around here. I like it when you can sing on key and when you can't sing on on key if it's songs to him I like it but my question is not do you love singing my question today is this do you love the Lord Jesus Christ I love soul winning I love it we run a soul winning shuttle and we see folks saved every week and I think a Christian ought to go soul winning but my question is not do you love the activity of soul winning my question is do you love the Lord Jesus Christ I, I like being a Baptist and I like our church I love it but my question is not do you love your Baptist heritage 
message in your church, foremost it is this, do you love the Lord Jesus Christ? I love youth conference. I love everything about it. I like the activities and the skits and the thrill. But my question is not, do you love youth conference? I'm asking you as a disciple, do you love the Lord Jesus Christ? In John chapter 20, it's a great chapter. It ends with resurrection. It ends with the reception of the Holy Spirit. And I wish it stopped right there. But there's a John 21. In John 21, we find these disciples who had been eyewitnesses of the resurrected Lord returning back to the old way of living. They're going fishing and they're out of the will of God. And Christ poses a question to these men that were his nearest and dearest followers. And he looks at Peter specifically and he says, lovest thou me? Peter denied the Lord by fire. Now he has to declare his love for the Lord by fire. I heard a preacher say, and I like it, he said, love is not a noun, love is a verb. Love is not just an announcement, it's an action. Love is not something we say, it is something that we can show forth in our life. What I mean is this, love lives, love moves, love serves, love manifests itself. Love is a very compelling force. It's a very powerful motivator. You say, why would a man or lady give their life in service to their country and die on a battlefield? It is love that takes a soldier to the battlefield. You say, what is it that would make one be devoted to another for a life. What is it? It is love that motivates a spouse to be loyal to their spouse. You say, what is it that as a servant give his life to his master? It is love that motivates the servant to lay down his life for his master. And can I say, that's what I'm talking about. That's the need of the hour in Christianity. It is that kind of devotion and that kind of love for the Lord Jesus Christ. Love is an emotion. And because it's an emotion, it will fluctuate. It ebbs and flows. It rises and falls and like a fire you have to tend your love and fuel your love and feed your love and if love is going to maintain its purity and burn with all of its intensity you have to protect it with persistence and purpose it's not because I have to it's not because I'm supposed to it's not because I'm made to but it's because I want to and I'm going to ask you this morning disciple do you love me Peter's a very interesting Bible character. He's a man with a soft heart but a hard head. He's courageous and a coward at the same time. He told all of us to be holy and then he cussed like a sailor. But with all of his impulsiveness and all of his imperfection, God used his life in a powerful way. I like Peter. He's a preacher. He's a penman. But most of all, he's a disciple. You consider his story. He's called from the fishing business on the side of the sea in Galilee. And he follows Christ by faith. He's used of the Lord to preach. He's a powerful soul winner. At times, he's a little bit impetuous and puts his sandal in his mouth. We understand that. There's times when he falls asleep and sinks in the sea and cuts off a fellow's ear. But we got to give him some room. I mean, he's saved by grace. But anyway, Peter is an interesting man. His call, his conduct at Calvary, he's there and he denies the Lord by the fire. But he's there at least by the Bible tells us that Peter goes on through his life. He pins some letters in the New Testament and ultimately he's crucified upside down for his faith. We're not talking about some, uh, some middle of the road kind of a Christian. This is a man that I believe had a heart for God and wanted to serve God with his life. 
But here in John 21, there is an account of Peter, I believe, out of the will of God. Peter has gone back to the fishing business. In fact, if you read in verse 3, it said, Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. If you study out that phrase, what he's saying is this, I am done with what I've been doing, and now I'm going to go over here and do this. What he's saying is that which is behind me is behind me, and now I'm going to go back to what I was doing before I met the Lord Jesus Christ. He takes seven other disciples with him. They're out there on the sea and they've caught nothing. Can I say you never find fulfillment out of the will of God. One of those fishermen though, they see a man on the seashore, John, the disciple that Jesus loves and he recognizes the Lord standing there. Jesus asked the question, children, have you any meat? And they answered him, no. Now I can sort of cliff note this because Brother Johnson preached on it last night. Jesus calls him to the seashore. He's got a fire burning. There's fish there and bread for them to eat. They sit down with the Lord and they have that dinner together. While they sit there around that fire, the Lord looks across the flickering flame and he stares into the eyes of his backslidden disciple and he asks him a question. Not one time, but three times. He says, lovest thou me. Now I want you to imagine it with me. Can you imagine those eyes and that voice and his face focused on Peter, his heart directed, the disciples' direction, the fire flickering off the countenance of Christ and he says, disciple, do you love me? There's Peter sitting with the smell of fish on his body, the spray of the sea upon his clothing, and the sting in his heart knowing he had left the Lord for the world. And he hears it echo in his soul. Disciple, do you love me? It's like Christ just saying, Peter, remember, I saved you for eternity. Do you love me? I gave you a chance to serve in the ministry. Do you love me? I've forgiven you when you've fallen. Do you you love me. I've provided for you through life. Do you love me? You've prayed with me. Do you love me? You've served with me, but do you love me? See that question so straight and searching. Do you love me? Now stop and think what hinges on the response of Peter. Had Peter not gotten this thing right, how much of our Bible would not have been written? Had Peter sat by that fire and said, you know what? I think I like what I'm doing more than I like what I did with you. How much of the book of Acts would there not be to read? A lot rides on this decision. A lot is hanging on this devotion. Peter's answer is so imperative. And Peter looks across the fire at the Lord. He has to ponder it. Do I love the Lord? Now Deuteronomy 6, 5, it says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart the soul and thy mind. There's a lot in your Bible about love. In fact, the Bible's a testament to the love of God. From Genesis to Revelation, every page, every line, and every verse tells us about the love of God for us. The Bible tells us God is love, and it shows us that God does love. I'm glad God loves purely, God loves perfectly, and God loves powerfully. The Bible says, yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. But God commendeth his love toward us 
in that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. His banner over me is his love. Creation derived from the love of God. Calvary displayed the love of God. The second coming declares the love of God. I'm glad today that God loves wide enough to encapsulate the world, but he loves narrow enough to love you as an individual. I'm glad he loves me with every breath. He loves me with every step. He loves me every day. He loves me with every blessing. He loves me with abounding grace. He loves me with new mercy. And But my burden this morning is not his love. I did not come to expound the love of God to you. I don't need to do that because you already know that God loves you unfathomably. I'm not here to expound his love. I want you to search and examine your love for the Lord. I know that you're here today and you're in a good place and you're hearing some good preaching and singing good songs and we have a good agenda. But my question is not do you love the skit and do you love the singing and do you love the preaching and do you love the atmosphere? I want to know, do you love the Lord Jesus Christ? I want you to take Peter's place and sit by the fire for a minute and allow the Lord to ask you, do you love me? Oh my, the tendency, my tendency because of my burden is to come to a meeting like this and try to encourage you about the generation that you're living in and the corruptness of the culture and the darkness of the day. And I'd love to preach and give you illustrations about Billy Sunday and George Whitfield and D.O. Moody. And I love that and the spirit-filled life. And God, give me a preacher. That's what I want to preach. But can I tell you, that's not where this thing starts. We don't just need you to surrender to a call, surrender to Christ. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying if you don't love him, You'll not last in this thing. We need more than preachers that love to preach. Give us a preacher that loves Jesus. We need more than singers that love to sing. Give me a singer that loves Jesus. We need more than a missionary that loves his field. We need a missionary that loves Jesus. We need a young person that loves more than coming to a conference. Give me a young person that loves the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm here today not to motivate you with a great need. I did not come to draw you with a heavy call. I'm not try to compel you because of lost souls. All those things are good and necessary, but that's not my purpose. I'm not trying to get you to an altar to make a decision because the time is short, though it is, and that is our theme. I am here simply today to present you with Christ and to ask you, is Jesus enough? I just want to put him forth before you and say, is Christ enough? There has to be a day where you graduate from infantile, adolescent Christianity, serving for a sucker and a star and a cookie at lunch. And it's Jesus that matters most. Is Jesus not enough? See Jesus there with a crown of thorns beaten into his brow and blood running down his face, the beard plucked from his cheeks and his back torn to shreds by the whip. See Jesus there with the nails running through his hands and the nails driven through his feet. And see Jesus there with the spit of the soldier running down his face. See Jesus there as his arms are outstretched and his feet hover over the earth and he looks down upon that crowd and he said, Father, forgive them. But can I see 
say that same forgiveness was extended to you and extended to me and those nails and that agony was done and displayed for you and for me and can I say nobody loves you like Jesus loves you you might not have a father that loves you or a mother that loves you you might not think you have a friend that loves you but there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother there is one that loves with a pure love there's no doubting it there's no debating it there's no arguing it that Jesus loves you but my question is do you love the Lord today disciple as you carry your King James Bible do you even love the Lord that it talks about as you sing your hymns of the faith do you even love the Lord you're singing about as you wear your hymn low uh, down to the ground and you have your tie not around your neck do you even love the Lord that we honor with the way we dress Christianity is not a number of things. Christianity is Christ. Do you love him? I'm not trying to win you to an atmosphere. I'm not trying to draw you to our style. We are trying to win you to Christ. Jesus is the reason. Jesus is why we're here. And I'm trying to tell you, young, he said it this morning, there is no life like a life lived in the center of God's will. I don't have to do it. I get to do it. I'm doing what I want to do. I do it even if I wasn't supposed to be. I just want to be here anyway. I love it. But can I say I love him because he first loved me. And there was a day I realized his great love and it broke my heart. How could I not love him? How could I not serve him? How could I not be devoted to him? If everything else was stripped away. If we had no padded pew, if we had no youth conference, if I had no college or school, would I still do it for Jesus? I hope I would. Let me ask you a few questions and I'll close. We'll be ahead of time. Number one, disciple, do you love me more than your sin? If you look at how Christ addresses Peter, he addresses him with his title before his conversion. He's reminding Peter, you are in sin. He said, Simon, son of Jonas, that must have convicted Peter. Wait a minute, I'm Peter. He said, not right now, you're not. Right now, you're what you used to be. When he says, lovest thou me? He said, do you love me more than this rebellion? I want to ask you the question, do you love the Lord more than you love your sin? I don't know. I don't know how long we're going we're gonna to have to beat the drum before we finally see revival because it's not really all that difficult. If we would just get to the point where we love the Lord more than we love our sin, we could see revival this morning. Whatever that thing is that you're holding on to and harboring and hiding in your heart and you're petting it like it's not dangerous. Can I say that is the very thing that I'm asking you to come and lay down at an old-fashioned altar. Don't you love the Lord more than you love that which drove him to a cross? He died for that thing and you're letting it live in your heart. My Bible says, let not sin, therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey in the lust thereof. Be dead to sin and alive to Christ. If there's some sin in your life this morning, something harboring and hidden away in there that ought not be there, I wouldn't even wait for an invitation. I'd take a sprint to an old-fashioned altar, lay that thing down, leave it at Jesus' feet and walk away free from that bondage, broken out of those chains. I want to love the Lord more than I love my sin. Disciple, do you love me more than you love your sin? 
Do you love me, number two, more than you love yourself? You say, what do you mean? What is Peter doing? What Peter wants to do. Peter has been a leader. What's he doing? He's still leading. The difference is, prior to this, he was leading as a sort of like an under-shepherd behind the chief shepherd. He let Christ direct. But now that Christ is not in the picture, Peter just takes the lead. You see, what's Peter doing? What he enjoys. What he wants. He's been commissioned to do something different, but he kind of feels like fishing. I wonder if you love the Lord more than you love your flesh. More than you love yourself. What I mean by that is this. How many people will miss out on the will of God to get an extra dollar on their paycheck? I'll testify and say that I have never lacked one day in my life full-time in ministry. I've never slept under a bridge. I've slept in a car, but that was my own choice. I've never, I've never gone without a meal. I've always had clothes on my back. My needs have been met, and I found this out. Usually if I wanted something, there was some way we ended up getting what we wanted. What I'm saying is I've never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed begging bread, and you cannot outgive God, and God pays better than any business in this world. And if it's not temporal things, it's eternal things. But I want to ask you something. You say, I've got big plans. Yeah, but what if God has bigger plans? You say, but I want to be a, I want to be a doctor or a lawyer. Well, good. Maybe that's what God wants. But maybe God wants you to be a preacher. Maybe God wants you to go to a mission field. Maybe God wants you to drive a bus. Maybe God wants you to teach a class. Do you love the Lord more than you love of yourself. You know, we wouldn't have any of this if it wasn't for sacrifice of self. The sacrifice of the selfless has turned a lot of generations into selfish people. There you go. Exactly. Because we didn't have to buy it. We didn't have to build it. We didn't have to paint it. We just get to use it. And selflessness gave it to us and selfishness abuses it. Right. You see it all across the country yeah. in ministries like this where the heritage is all discarded. Selflessness built it and selfishness abuses it. Do you love Jesus more than you love yourself? You say, well, I'm going to be a professional athlete. You're not. Unless it's a professional wrestler. You could probably be a professional wrestler because that's fake and a lot of Christians are. <clears throat> Uh, do you love the Lord more than you love your sin? Do you love the Lord more than you love yourself? Number three, do you love me more than you love status quo? You say, what do you mean status quo? Peter's doing what everybody else is doing. What do you mean? I mean, people who'd never even met the Lord are fishing. Fishing's not peculiar. Fishing's not a special call. Fishing is not some kind of divine direction. Fishing's just something everybody does. If you're there at the Sea of Tiberias, the Sea of Galilee, you're going to be a fisherman. What I'm saying is, he's not doing anything different than folks who don't even know the Lord. I don't know about you, but whenever God saved me, and then just about a year later called me to preach, I didn't set out to be uh, just as minimalistic. I mean, don't want to stir the water, don't want to make any ripples in the sea of this world. I tell you what, I just wanted to see God do something big, and God do something mighty, and God do great things. I mean, I wanted to see God part the sea for me, and I wanted to see God bring down the fire, and I wanted to see God shut the mouths of lions, and I wanted to see God spark revival. I just was dumb enough in faith to believe that God was still who 
he ever was and that God can still do what he's always done. And I thought, you know what? If we don't see revival today, we might see it tomorrow. I don't want to be like every other dead Christian. I don't want to ride the pine till Jesus comes. I don't want to fill a pew and snore through a sermon. I want God's hand on my life. I want to know his presence. I want to feel the fire burn. I want to be filled with the Holy Ghost. I want to see my generation have a great revival like a prior generation. I don't want status quo. I tell you what bothers me today is Christians content to kick in the baby pool, the shallow wading into the puddle and not dive in the deep end with God. You can have the shallow end if you want it. I want to get in the deep water with God. I want to see God do something only God can do. I want to see God work a miracle in our day. You say he can't do it. That's the problem. Yes, he can do it. I won't succumb to status quo. I don't want business as usual. I don't want to be as sorry as the other Christian down the road. I want God to be real in my life. I wonder if you love him more than just, let me just be comfortable. Let me just be comfortable. Well, I hate, I don't like to use personal illustration. When we went in the ministry, no money, no nothing. Nothing. I had $500 a month income for the first almost half a year of my ministry life. 500 bucks a month income. That's all we had. Not complaining or making a martyr. I'm just telling you the truth. Everybody told us how dumb we were. The man who lived next door to my parents, I got out of the vehicle there, had our tent trailer at that time. We hauled this tent around. He said, what are you going to be, a, gy a gypsy your whole life? Mocking us. I had family members. You have a college degree. You're going to be paying that student loan for 30 years, and now look what you're doing with it. And they're right. I'm paying. Anyway, look what you're doing with that. Making light of it. But can I say... I wouldn't trade it for anything. Yes. Status quo, you can keep it. You can have all that. You can have your helping and take mine too. I don't want status quo. I want to know what it is to walk in the presence of God. I want to know what it is to have Him speak to me through His Word. I want to know what it is to see a prayer meeting break. I want to know what it is to hear a choir sing. I want to know what it is to see pews filled with people. I want to know what it is to see a city turned upside down. I want to know what it is to see young people get right with God. I want to know what it is to see prodigals restored. I want to know what it is to make a difference in my generation. I might not be known a hundred years from now, but I want God to know I'm here for him. And I want you to know I'm here for God. And you can have your status quo. Do you love me? Do you love me? More than status quo. One more. The whole thing is, if you love me, then shepherd. If you love me, then serve. If you love me, then bless other people. Because that's what he's asking. He said, if you love me, then feed somebody. If you love me, prove it. Because here's where it is. Love is an action. It is a verb. It is poured out. It is charity. It is moving. So he said, if you love me, disciple Peter, hey, if you really love me, you'd do something about it. You'd feed people. I wonder today, you're battling with that call to preach. You're a young man. And in your heart, it's swarming inside right now. You say, I just feel uneasy in a good way. It's pressing and I can't shake it. I want to beg you, don't shake it. Amen. Grab hold of that. Amen. 
Do you love the Lord enough to sign up for this? I wonder if you'd be a preacher. I wonder if you'd give your life to serve God. I wonder if you'd pick up the mantle of an Elijah and say, I'll be an Elisha by the grace of God and serve God in my generation. Can I say, we need some preachers, no doubt about that. We need preachers that love the Lord and preachers that know what they believe, preachers that'll love God's people. I wonder if you love the Lord enough to surrender. You've been battling it long enough. Why don't you say, I'm raising the white flag. The battle is over. I'm giving my life to God. I present my body like you said. I'm a living sacrifice. I love you, Lord. I'll go where you say go. I'll say what you say to say. I'll be a preacher. Maybe there's somebody here wants to go to a mission field, you think, but you're not sure. How am I going to make it? God will make it. He'll make it work out for you. You trust God. Do you love him enough to serve? Do you love him enough to serve each other? Can you just be Christian to each other? How are we, in, if we can't be Christian to each other, how are we going to impact our society? Amen. I wonder if you love the Lord enough to love your youth group. I wonder if you love the Lord enough to love your parents. Amen. I wonder if you love the Lord enough to love one another. If we don't love one another, it's hard to tell if we're even saved. It's what John said. I know I, I'm saved. One of the fruits of that is I love you. I don't like you, but I love you. I like you too. I wonder about that. I wonder if you love the Lord. There's not a person in here today that could testify and say, God's been bad to me. Amen. Not one of us. Every one of us, if we're going to tell the truth, would have to say, God's been good. Amen. He sure has loved me. What is it that gets a soldier on the battlefield? It's love. What is it that makes a family work? It is love. What is it that keeps a servant faithful to his master? It is love. And what is it that makes the Christian life sweet? It is love. The reason you don't like it is because you're starting from the wrong starting point. Jesus loves you. My question is, do you love the Lord? Do you love Him more than these? Let's bow our heads just for a minute. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.